Even when we're singing that, that song, I go to the rock. When we speak about God being our rock, we're, we're speaking about something stable, something that is firm, something that does not change. In a world of constant change, right? There's two constants, God and change. One of the things that we know is uh, when we think about our tomorrows, uh, the concerning part is things are going to change. Now, there's certain things in our lives that we're looking forward to change. And there's other things that we seem to always be kind of apprehensive about uh, that change. But I'm here to tell you today that God doesn't change. The character of God doesn't change who God is to us. And him being a constant in our lives is consistent. And that is something that we can bank on. Today, uh, the sermon is called Be On Guard. And we're going to find ourselves in the book of Acts, chapter 20. So if you would turn to the book of Acts, chapter 20, we're going to start reading from verse 17. I ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. We highly exalt his word. And when we read it, we want to really focus in on what God is saying through the love letter that he's written to us. Acts uh, chapter 20, starting at verse 17, I'm reading out of the CSB. And it says, now from Maltus, he sent um, to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church. When they came to him, he said to them, you know, from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time. Serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, enduring the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. You know that I did not avoid proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or for, from teaching you publicly and from house to house. I testified both to Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me but I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And now I know that none of you among whom I sent, I went about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. Be on guard for yourself 
and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for three years, I never stopped warning each one of you with tears. And now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that in the midst of change, Lord, that you are a constant, Lord. Our lives have always been changing and moving and turning, but you've been there. When we did not acknowledge you, you were there caring for us, Lord. Thank you. And no matter what we have to face today or in our tomorrows, we can rest assured that our God is there. So we thank you for that, and we ask you this day, Father, to put a security in our hearts, Lord, as we walk out what you have called us to walk out in this earth, Lord, and be glorified in our lives this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the book of Acts, written by Luke, um, this is, is Paul, and he is coming to a place where um, he's well acquainted with the people, and he is speaking to the elders there, and he called them in for a meeting and, and says to them, listen, I, I'm leaving um, this, is, this is where we've been and what I've gone through with you. This is where we are. And these are things that you need to be concerned about in the future. Paul just kind of does like a review of, of the past. Hey, listen, this is where we were. Um, and then he discusses the present. And then he starts to speak about what could potentially happen and what they need to be aware of. And although he's speaking to the elders, um, this speaks to each one of us. This speaks to every Christian. This speaks to every Christian because God has laid um, on each one of us purposes. God um, is using each believer. Um, he, as he draws us to himself, he lays out a plan for us to walk in. So uh, because we may not be an elder does not excuse us from the responsibility um, as Christians and what God is doing. And, and Paul starts with, don't forget how I came to you and, and what I've done, what God has done through me, what God has done through the church and, and, 
and where we are. Don't forget the investment. See, because when we think about our history with God and understand that we were redeemed, that that is an investment that God made. He paid for your redemption. And he said, and Paul says here, and the whole time that I spent with you, um, the humility, I didn't come as a celebrity. People knew who Paul was. This was a missionary that went and planted church after church, and God used him mightily for um, the, the, the Asia and, and Africa and in Europe. And, and he's saying, listen, um, the whole time I was with you, um, I was with you and, and I shed tears. I was with you and I laid out myself and, and, and the work that God has called me to do. Then he goes on to say, um, listen, things are about to change. You're not going to see me again. And obviously for people that had um, a person that poured into their lives, that showed them who God was, that turned things around, that they were used as that instrument, that must have been a sad time. Where Paul is saying everything is about to change. And you're not going to see me again. It says in verse 25, and now know that none of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. And, and as he says this, he makes a statement. And the statement he makes is, Therefore, I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of you all. Because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. That is a tremendous statement. Because in that, what it is saying is that because of the responsibility that God laid on Paul, there was a potential for him to be guilty of someone's blood if he didn't carry out what God called him to carry out. Like, wow. That is no small talk. And that is not only for Paul the great missionary, that is not for a deacon or an usher, that is for the believer. That God has called us to specific things that we must fulfill. That we are going to be held accountable for. Praise God that he equips us to do. But there's still a part of that where Paul was able to say, this I know, I'm not going to be responsible for your blood. Why? Because I made sure that I preached the whole counsel of God. I just want us to walk down that road for a minute because 
One of the things that we tend to do is give in to, to pressures. Um, one of the things that we tend to do is uh, soft sell something or put something in a framework that's like palatable, but we're leaving out certain parts of it. It's almost like a salesman. Uh, when they are trying to get you to buy a product and they give you this whole layout, uh, but, you know, the fine print uh, is so fine that you need glasses and a magnifying glass to be able to see it, uh, but they want you to buy this product before you know totally what you're signing up to. And Paul is saying here, no, I, I laid it all out. And that is very important to do. The way my wife frames that all the time is, I'm not going to love you to hell. I'm not going to love you to hell. In other words, I'm not going to tell you niceties and part of the story and not confront you with certain things because I don't want you to get offended. Um, because um, it's not going to be nice for you to hear. No, I, I have to lay it all out to you because I love you. I have to lay it all out to you because I am responsible. You are responsible for the people that God put in your, in your life to make sure that when you speak, that you speak in truth. It says that because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up and even from your own number and distort the truth, to lure the disciples into following them. It is very important for us to understand that there are demonic forces, there are people that are used against God, some of them may be among you, and their mission is to tear down the flock. That is very important to know. One of the things that um, we do in the information age is we are able to get information for so many sources so easily. Like, it wasn't always that way, right? Like, you went to your local church, and, and that's what it was, and maybe you could listen to uh, the radio or see something on TV, but more and more, we have, like, options in what we want to listen to. And sometimes, even when I look on people's um, social media or who they quote um, or what they put up, and what they're listening to, what they share, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid for them. Because there's such a mix sometimes of things that there's no way you should be listening to certain individuals. There's no way that you 
should be giving those individuals to someone else to listen to. We have to be so careful to understand that there are people, and this goes on to speak about that, that will peddle the gospel for their own good, that um, will not stand firm on certain things because they want a certain crowd. Um, or because they've become afraid as time goes on and the position that they have, so they start getting to a point like, well, well I don't want to offend anybody, so I'm not going to say this, I'm not going to do this. No, this is what this should look like. We know God is love, right? A lot of times they won't even lay out the gospel. They certainly won't speak about hell. They certainly won't speak about consequence. Um, or our responsibility as believers, because we have a responsibility. You were purchased with a price you are not your own. That, that means something. That means that you don't just get to do whatever you want to do. Um, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But there has been... And there always will be, and as time goes on, it's going to be more and more important that you know your word. Because there's subtleties that are used that if you don't pick up on it, you don't understand that you're being taken away off someplace different than where God wants you to be. So, in this, Paul reviews the past, he discusses the present, he spoke about the future, and that, that was just like a quick, quick synopsis of what that, has, what, what that was. Um, but what about when we review our past? Like when we sit there and think, what has God done? J just, just ponder that for a minute. Who you were, what has God done in your life? The things that God has brought you through to your present, like where are you? In the midst of a world that is changing, in the midst where we are facing things that we've never thought we would face, God is still the same. He's brought you to a certain place. Here you are. Do you take time to inspect your fruit? Do, do you take time to think out like, like, who am I? Who have I become? God has himself invested in my life put people in my life, brought me through situations, and here I stand. Where am I? Like, what am I doing with that? And because of where you are in your present, where's that, where's that leading you to? 
What, a, what about your future? What about your tomorrows? Like, are you in a place where you've kind of like quit or, or settled or give, given up or like have shrunken back and just, this is just kind of what it is. And I'm just mowing along and just kind of going through. Or are you just, are you just coasting? One of the things that we see is Paul started out right from the beginning saying, I've been with you all the while. Through all the trials that have come my way, and those trials have come my way because of what I'm doing. Let's, let's not get it wrong. It's because of the things that he was doing that was bringing trials. So sometimes we think like, no, if we're like operating um, in the things that God wants us to do, uh, then things are going to get easier. Like my struggles are, are because, um, you know, I need to fix certain things in my life or work certain things. Out. Oh, no. No, 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 no. When you start walking the way God wants you to walk and start doing the things that God calls you to do, it's going to intensify. Paul knew that. Many here know that. Why would you still be willing to do it? Because God is going to be with you. Because God is going to be with you to the degree that through the midst of those things, you're going to recognize who's fighting the battle. You're going to recognize your limitations, and then you're going to have a great freedom in watching him move. But in this season, even with the things that we have been challenged with, like how have you allowed it to change your life. Let's just think about like this pandemic and all the things that have happened in this country, whether it be with politics, whether it be with like racial stuff, like this country in the last year and a half, all of these things are always like kind of there bubbling under the surface and their head popping out here and there, but it's just like all out, like we're sitting here with masks on. But in that, are you thinking about, like, what God has done and, and where you are? Like, how have you allowed those trials and those challenges to change you? Because don't get it twisted. It was, it's there to change you. The question is, how is it changing you? Like, are you in a better place because of the trials that we've been through? Or have you stopped coming to church? Have you allowed, like, fear to, like, kick in to the point where you are justifying your actions with some things, but with other things, you're still living because everything's a value decision. Like, everything's a risk. Pastor Angelo and I were talking about this the other day, and he said, listen, you know, it's a big difference between caution and fear. And, and that's very important because caution is prudent. 
right? We're wearing masks because we know, hey, we want to protect each other. We shut down the church for a week and a half because we want to make sure that we stay safe. But to, on the flip side of that, I'd be like, well, I'm not going to go back. Or I like don't stay like stay totally away from me. Like we have to be so careful because these things are going to affect our spiritual condition tomorrow. Because in the midst of these things, Paul going through these challenges, Paul saying things are changing, Paul even saying, listen, the reason why I'm not going to be you any, with you anymore is because the Holy Spirit, God, is leading me to go to Jerusalem for me to be in chains. This is the reason why I'm going someplace else uh, to have more persecution. But I don't count my life as those things are what's valuable. He faced trials without quitting. What about you? Like, when it's time for us to step up, Because this is a season for us to step up as believers. Are you stepping back? Are you making sure like I'm preserving myself as if you have the ability to do that? Like you could be as safe as you think you're being and you can operate in fear, right? You could be a person that says, I do not like airplanes. I'm scared of being and an airplane crash, and an airplane could crash into your house. You, you, there, there is no way to protect yourself to the degree that you are operating in fear and then call that spiritual. Like, you can, those things don't match. Just think about Paul, chapters later from now, when he's arrested and he's on a ship and the ship gets shipwrecked and they have to swim to to land, not only did they have to swim to land, the Roman soldiers were just going to kill them all because none of these people can escape because if they escape, then I die. So the soldiers said, let's kill them. Paul convinced them not to do that. They, they, They get to land. Whoever could swim, swam. Whoever had to hold on to a piece of wood did that. They all made it, 200 and some odd people. And as soon as they get to land, they start building a fire. Paul's building a fire, and a venomous snake just attaches itself to his hand. And the natives say, this dude must be a murderer, because if he just survived that shipwreck, and he's still destined to die? That's, that's basically what it says. He's still destined to die? Wow. There, there was no getting around it for him. And he shakes the snake off, and it goes into the fire. And they sit there like, okay, we've seen this before. He's about to puff up and keel over. And they wait, 
and they wait, and he doesn't. And when he doesn't, then they change their mind. This guy must be a god. But what's the point in that? The point in that is until it is your time to leave, you'll be fine. That is not to say not to use caution. That is not to say everybody take off their mask, let's throw it in the garbage. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is have a confidence that in your life, you are called to live. And you are supposed to live for him. In this season, we are supposed to be the ones saying, listen, God's got this all under control. We are supposed to look introspective and say, this is the past that I've had and this is what God has brought me through. And this is where I stand. And I have such great hope in God's goodness of where he's going to bring me to tomorrow. But there's always things that can try to interrupt that. And a big part of it is fear, and another part of it is things that we kind of put on ourselves. Paul made it real clear. Listen, my message stayed the same to all. When I was in the public, and when I went house to house, my message didn't change. Think about that like in your own life. Like, are you consistent to the degree that whether you're in, like, a public venue or if you're in a house speaking to, like, one of your buddies, that your message stays the same? Like, are you the same person? That is so important because there are people watching. There are people that are looking at your consistency or lack thereof, and it's affecting their spiritual life. Not to mention, that ties into, obviously, your personal relationship with God and who you are. Not only did his message stay the same when he was out in public, which obviously was dangerous. People wanted to kill him. He said, no, I am called to preach the gospel fully, and that's what I'm going to do. His message stayed the same when he was speaking to the Jews and when he was speaking to the Greeks. Like one of the things, um, like I just had to take a test for school, and it was kind of like one of those psychological tests, like ask you all these questions. And one of the things that it said asked was like, um, when you're around your uh, same group, like ethnic group, like do you speak different than when you are around a multi-ethnic group? So for me, the answer was yes, in the sense that like I'm from Brooklyn, and if I'm around uh, a certain people that are like my siblings or whatever, that's certain like slang and language that we use that even when I used to say those things to the youth, they were looking at me like, 
what is that old school slang? So I had to like change it, right? And say, no, this is this. Uh, I, I came up all my life in construction work. There's a certain way that construction workers speak. And I'm not talking about profanity or anything like that. It's just like a culture and kind of like a way. But when it comes to like the message of who you are, of what is the core, that is something totally different. And Paul is saying here, no, it didn't matter if I was speaking to the Jews or to the Greeks. I had one message, repentance towards God and faith in Jesus. Paul goes on to say, you're not going to see me anymore because I am going to, to Jerusalem, being led by the Holy Spirit, that I'm going to end up being in chains. The question becomes this, is your life, is your lifestyle of more value than your mission? That is something that each one of us has to ask ourselves because that is something that we have to say, mm, I always want to kind of hold on to a piece of me, what I want to do, how I want to do it. And if my mission that God has called me to is going to kind of disrupt that, I, I don't know if I want to like let that go. But you have to ask yourself, is my life and my lifestyle of more value than my mission? Paul said, my life ain't worth anything other than me doing what I'm called to do. Then you would have to even ask yourself, what is your mission? Like, if you can't answer that question, if you can't answer what has God made me to be and what does that look like to the rest of the world and how do I live that out daily, then you have some soul searching to do. Because he paid a price for you to be a part of his family, meaning God. And it is so important because your mission impacts in ways that your lifestyle can't. Like your mission is going to go on and precede you, but like your lifestyle was just like, this is how I live like day to day, and that's going to be forgotten. If you look at a picture of your grandfather, your great-grandmother, or whatever, there's certain things that that person may have accomplished in their life as a mission, but you don't know how they live their life. You don't know like what their lifestyle was like. And does that have any eternal value? Now, granted, we all want to have a certain lifestyle. But when we place that over and above our mission, what are we living for? So with Paul, he said this in verse 22, starting in verse 22. And now I am on my way to Jerusalem compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. Here's a gift for you, Paul. This is what you're going to receive. But I consider my life of no value to myself. 
I'm not living for me, is what he's saying. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. Look at those words. My life, my course, the ministry. He made his spiritual walk number one. It was all for Christ. We all have to say, I consider my life of no value. My purpose is... We got to fill that in. Then it goes on to say in verse 28, be on guard for yourself and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. The church of God, which he purposed for his own blood. We have to understand what value God has placed on the church. He paid blood for the church. We are the church, and our brothers and sisters are the church. This is of high value to God. And it says that the Holy Spirit appointed you as overseers to shepherd. Those that are in leadership in any capacity. So yes, that is for church leadership. He's speaking to the elders. But he's speaking to dads. He's speaking to moms. He's speaking to ushers. He's speaking to children's church teachers. He's speaking to neighbors. He's speaking to siblings. Like, we need to be on guard for ourselves and for the flock. For what God and where God has placed us and what we're supposed to be responsible to. It says, be on guard. Be on alert. Be on guard and be on alert from what? Like, what is the potential, what potentially will happen that will take us off of track? The problem becomes when we write the story about me. One of the things that we know is that there is a revolt against the meta-narrative. Like, that is why people reject the gospel. In other words, the big story of how we all came about, people reject that story, and people, even within in that story, kind of wants to reject certain parts. And when we don't see the meta-narrative, when we don't sign up for the story, there's going to be a problem. See, because Christianity tells a story. And the story that Christianity tells is it proclaims to be the story. This is the way it happened. That it tells us 
how, who we are, how we got here, and where we're going. That we are made in the image of God. That we fell into sin. That God entered his creation to, to redeem us by Jesus dying on the cross for our sin. And he was raised from the dead that those that will believe will have eternal life. That's the story. See, but in post-Christian times, we don't want to hear a story about God. I want to hear a story about me. Like the, like the role that like I play, like what, what, how I'm involved in my own destiny. Like the choices that I make, what, the story that is going to paint because this is how I want to live. Attacks come in two basic forms in this day and age. Relativism and narcissism. The relativist attacks God's intellectual authority. I don't want anyone telling me what to believe. I demand the right to think what I want. That's what, the, that's what relativism is, right? I don't want anybody telling me what to believe. I believe what I want to believe. You don't even have the right to tell me what I should believe. And my belief system is just as valuable as yours. The narcissist attacks God's moral authority. He says, I don't want anyone to tell me how to behave. I demand the right to do what I want. Relativism is a sin of the mind, a refusal to believe sound doctrine. This is the story. No, it's not. I'll write my own story because that better fits how I want to live. Narcissism is a sin of the heart, a refusal to live a holy life, a, few, a refusal to allow God to be the one that says, I set the standard. Getting to a place where a person revolts against God, either intellectually or morally, they have to Build a lie to justify their rebellion. If, if you're going to get to a place where you're going to say, I, that's not how it happened, and you can't tell me what to do, you're going to have to justify that within yourself. Because even people that are doing wrong find a way to take their wrongness and turn it right in their own mind. Even if it's just for the season in which they're doing it. Even if like later on they kind of recognize again, like, oh, like I messed up again. The next time they want to do wrong or if they want to live a wrong lifestyle, they have to come to a place where 
there's no God. Like, this didn't happen that way. Like, who could tell me what to do? I get to choose. That's where the problem comes in. The subtleties of justification. Like, we have to lie to ourselves to convince ourselves that what we're doing is right. And that temptation always comes in the same two areas, doctrine and life or belief and behavior. And we are all prone to do that even in smaller ways. We might not take the full story and say, no, that's not how it happens. But even the way we chop up the Bible, even the way how we take certain parts of it and like, uh, I agree with this, so this is going to be like a statement that I continually make in my life because it's beneficial to me. Then other parts is like, well, obviously, this is not what this really meant in the Bible. That was just for that time. This is not the way that goes today. Society shows us that this is not the way that goes today. Like Christians do that. And then what happens is not only do we do that, but then we even speak to other people that way, and that's how blood ends up being on our hands. That's when, that's when Paul just said, there ain't no blood on my hands because I told you the way it was, the parts you wanted to hear and the parts you had to wrestle with. So that goes in our own hearts that we got to deal with personally but also goes in what we're putting out there that we're going to be held responsible for. And guess what? As the days get closer to the end, that's not going to reverse. It's going to get worse. Second Timothy chapter three, starting at verse one says this, but know this, Hard times will come in the last days, for the people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, Slanderers, without self-control. Brutal, without love for what is good. Traitors, reckless, conceited. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of money. And then it says this, holding to the form of of godliness, but denying its power. Oh, I'm a believer. Oh, I'm spiritual. Oh, I'm a Christian. But all of these other things are there. It says, avoid these people. So be on guard. Watch your own heart, the story about me, and watch those that are speaking into your life and how you're speaking into other people's lives. Because it's, 
the warning that Paul gets, like, after I leave, this is what's going down. Verse 29, now that after, know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you. Not sparing the flock. Men will rise up even from your own number, from within, and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. We don't want anybody following us. Follow Jesus. Worship team, you can come up. How do you guard your heart? How do you guard yourself against your own heart? And how do you guard yourself against savage wolves? That becomes the question. And it says here, In verse 32, and now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. We got to commit ourselves to God. We can't win this battle without being under shelter, under God's protection, his grace, and his love. And you have to know your word. You have to know your word to defend yourself against your own heart. And wolves that want to come in and destroy the flock. The only way to combat that is to know God's word. It says, and now I commit you to God. Thank you that we are under God's umbrella, that we are in God's family and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. We need to constantly be built up in God's word, in the knowledge of who God is, in protecting ourselves and what God has called us to do because it's so much bigger than us as individuals. Building you up to give you an inheritance. We came in this world with nothing. And God has an inheritance for you. As stewards... We own nothing, and we have everything. We have everything. Among all who are sanctified. God sanctified you when he saved you. God is bringing you through a sanctification process, and you will be sanctified in glory. He takes us from glory to glory. 
Be sober-minded against the war that is going on. For your soul, for your family, for your church, like don't walk around tiptoeing through the tulips in a war zone that's filled with landmines. Like we can't afford to do that. But one thing that we know is just like Paul, who was led by the Holy Spirit, continually received everything he needed to carry out what God has called him to do. And in the same way, he has equipped you for what he has called you to do. The question is, have you come to the place like Paul where you've said, my life? This is yours, God. You do whatever you want. And even if you're going to have me walk into a situation where I'm going to end up in chains, it's not about me. It's for your glory. I'm freely willing to go. Listen, you're never going to see me again because I'm moving into what God has called me to next. In the same way that he's brought you through and have you here, march forward in the strength of the Lord, knowing like we sang earlier, where else can I go? What am, what am I going to do? Like Deacon Ray said, turn back to What? Thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that you guard our hearts, that you protect your flock, Lord, our families. We thank you for this reminder, Lord, to be sober-minded about what you've done in our lives, where we presently stand, what you've called us to do. Help us not to shrink back, oh God. But in these times, with all that's going on, that we stand and continue to stand, Lord. Not be fearful, Lord. Knowing that we're in your loving arms. Father, thank you. Thank you for this word, Lord. Thank you for men like Paul. Thank you, Lord, for men and women that we can even model after in our own lives, Lord. Not perfect, but standing, Lord. Marching forward, Lord. Answering the call, oh God. Being selfish. Being selfless committing themselves to you humbly, Lord, with tears, facing trials. Make each and every one of us, Lord, that person and what you've called us to do. That in the heated part of the battle, we would stand, Lord, 
built on our trust in Jesus Christ, what he's done and what he promised. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Philippians 1 and 6 says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God bless you. See you Wednesday for prayer. Be blessed.